tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we got a big question facing the NBA. Are Boston and L.A. both going to be swept in the conference finals? I get into that, and then I deep dive into why Joe Mazzulla's coaching hire actually solidifies how important coaching really is, maybe in a way we've actually never seen in history. I'll also update you on a lot of the ongoing coaching searches. Trust me, it is a confusing mess right now. A lot of overlap, a lot of Nick Nurse Nick, let's get right into it and let's drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. So the topic of the day, maybe the week, probably the entire offseason if we're honest, uh, considering how bad things are right now for the Celtics, is just how bad of a job Joe Mazzulla has done coaching uh, the Boston Celtics in the postseason. How bad is it? The Athletic has three articles written on it. Like, aren't these writers checking in with each other? Three articles on Joe Mazzulla being a dumpster fire in the postseason as a coach. You got Bill Simmons devoting many numbers of podcast hours to it. Twitter is a is just an absolute mess in the comment section on how Spo is absolutely out coaching Joe Missoula. Here, though, is what nobody is talking about. What we're witnessing in this Eastern Conference Finals is, to me, the greatest NBA science experiment in the history of the league. So, okay, last year, right, Ime Udoka takes over a Celtics team. And it only takes him about a half a season to completely change the culture there. As we know, Ime Udoka was burying these kids in the media, saying, oh yeah, they're soft. They're not passing the ball. It was a mess. And all of a sudden, things clicked in the postseason to the point where they get to the finals and they lose a hard-fought series to the Warriors. Now, you may not like the drop coverage that Ime Udoka played on Steph Curry. Fine. 
fair. But I think we can all say that Ime Udoka is an elite coach. Then, of course, Ime Udoka got, quote-unquote, suspended for the season, a.k.a. got fired for not being able to, I don't know, just, like, keep it together, and he had some sexual relations with one of the members of the staff. And so that, to me, creates a perfect storm of circumstances. We've never had in the history of the NBA a head coach who gets fired after leading his team from 500 to the brink of a championship. Yes, Brad Stevens took this team to the Eastern Conference semis multiple times, but let's be real. The Brad Stevens move to the GM position was because he was not ready and able to coach these men up. This wasn't Nick Nurse getting fired after four years after winning a chip. This was a coach everyone said was one of the best minds in basketball, completely changed the culture of Boston, and he shockingly gets let go. He would have been the Boston head coach for a decade or more. And on top of that, the kicker is that the Celtics didn't change their roster. This was a team that they thought they were going to run everything back. They ended up actually getting better, getting the sixth man of the year in Malcolm Brogdon. They added him to the roster. So this team, this Celtics team, has actually improved from last year. The one that we already know is good enough to win it all, already know is good enough to go to the finals, and then all of a sudden they get handed one of Ime's assistants. Not some random coach that comes in and has to take over a team that's already built a scheme and a system. No, 34-year-old Joe Mazzula was there for the entire process under Ime Udoka. So now we get this beautiful opportunity to compare, bad for Joe Mazzula really, because we really have all of the same factors that are consistent except for the coach. We can compare how this team compares to last year's team because they're pretty much the same. And even better in our science experiment, they get to play the Miami Heat again. The team that they went toe-to-toe with in the playoffs last year. A team that is largely the same as it was last year, only slightly worse. They're missing Tyler Hero. They're missing Victor Oladipo. And by the way, Hero averaged 12-4-3 against the Celtics in the games he played in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the Heat won two of those. Oladipo came in and averaged 10-3-3 in all seven games. So this is actually a beautiful, perfect storm. The same two teams play against each other in two consecutive years, two consecutive Eastern Conference Finals, by the way. And the only difference, really, Boston changed coaches. And now the truth has come to light and the world is being debunked because there, for many years, people have said coaching doesn't matter in the NBA at all. It's a star-driven league. Stars do star things. No, no, people. What we're seeing is that coaching matters a lot. Coaching matters on every level. We have never had the ability to see how stark it would be if a brilliant coach left. When coaches get fired, they're usually not brilliant. They're usually not very good. They're usually, you see their ceiling. Teams are bad. Teams have failed. They've been disappointments. I don't think you go to the finals and you fire your coach right away. We've never seen, hardly ever, seen an elite coach get fired like this at this particular point in the juncture of his head coaching career, one year in to his coaching, head coaching career. And this is what happened. The only reason Ime Udoka isn't the coach this year and for the next decade is because of the personal scandal, right? And that had nothing to do with coaching. So we know that 
Also, Ime Yudoka was masterful along the way to the finals. Maybe you don't like what he did in the finals, but his defense, how he managed the roster, the identity of the team was defense all year long. Ball movement, getting out and pushing the pace. And now we get to see how the same team performs under another highly regarded assistant coach. An assistant, like I said, who I should remind you worked under Ime Udoka. It means the great Boston NBA coaching experiment proves beyond a shadow of a doubt how one man can change the fate of a team. And more importantly, how important a good coach is to a good team. Another thing that's becoming very evident it is very easy for mediocre coaches to paper over their flaws in the regular season. Malcolm Brogdon discussed this, which we'll talk about in just a second, but Boston easily got to hide under the regular season guide because of Missoula's inability to adjust when they were playing Detroit and San Antonio and teams that weren't scheming and planning and preparing for them because either the gap in talent was so much greater or those good teams, great teams, were not really preparing for them. Even in the first and second rounds of the playoffs, Boston wasn't exactly really getting tested. And yet they were still kind of not quite acing the exam. There were for sure signs that shit was already going off the rails. Lest we forget, winning two rounds in the NBA playoffs gets you exactly halfway to the championship. You still have to beat good teams, elite teams, coached by elite coaches. And Joe Mazzu is very far from an elite coach. I think we know that, right? I think we kind of know that. I, uh, he might be a good coach one day. He might be an elite coach another day. But asking him as a 34-year-old head coach with very little coaching experience and only two years' experience in the NBA in total, that is a bridge. Folks, this guy came from the main Red Claws, Okay. If you don't know what those words mean, like I understand if I say, what is she saying? This guy came from the Maine Red Claws? Yeah, that's where he came from, Maine. That's the G League team for the Boston Celtics. He came from the G League team. That's where he came from. Joe Mazzulla got his, it's basically Aaron Miles. My guy who I love, Aaron Miles, assistant for the Boston Celtics. He has more coaching experience in the NBA than Joe Mazzulla. Head coach of the G League Santa Cruz Warriors, and then an assistant for the Warriors uh, in their title run, and then an assistant on the bench uh, for the Boston Celtics. So, listen, I don't know what the deal is with Joe Mazzulla and why he's not very good, but I can say this. The adjustments aren't there. The rotations aren't there. He blames the team when he's the one at fault, and he blames himself when it's the team. He wasn't at fault for this team going down 3-0 in the third game. They didn't give the effort that they needed. He wasn't at fault for them laying down and staying down. The lack of effort was embarrassing. Tatum and Brown and Smart and the others, they, they either need to be consistently motivated, or if they aren't, they're not consistently giving their full effort. It feels very much like the Brad Stevens era. And Missoula didn't get to coach under Popovich like Emeu did. He was a college assistant who got plucked directly by Brad Stevens and then went to the G League and then went to the pros. So you can say, oh, Trista, where were you when Boston started out 18-4? and four? Well, when Missoula won Coach of the Month both in November and December, I get that. But that was Emeu's team. 
Missoula got, you know, like a good class when they get a good substitute, like they substitute teacher, like the, the bad habits don't restart right away. Missoula got appointed on the eve of training camp. And second of all, the more that Joe Missoula put his stamp on this team, the less they started to win. And once he got thrown up against good coaches, the cracks could be seen. Quinn Snyder led a far less talented Hawks team to six games in the first round. The bullet was dodged in part because Trey Young played like buns in the first two games. Then, Joe lucked out in the coaching uh, against the Sixers with an injured Embiid, and the only coach in the playoffs he could outcoach was Doc Rivers. And even still, he didn't look great. And this series, against a very undermanned Heat team, was cold water on him because Spolstra is just much better. He has conducted a master class, and Joe has only this to say for it. Joe, the, the biggest game of the season, the game you had to have, and you guys just looked completely lost after the first six minutes. What exactly happened out there? Uh, I just didn't have him ready to play. Over the last 48 hours? Um, yeah, just, I just didn't have him ready to play. I should have, uh, whatever it was, whether it was a starting lineup, whether it was an adjustment, just I have to get them in a better place, ready to play, and that's on me. Mean, I just didn't have them ready to play. What what goes in? See, this is investor investigator Crick and like Detective Crick that comes out. Like, what does that mean? What does it take to get a team ready to play? Like, what did you not do this last forty eight hours that you've done in other forty eight hours? Like, what do you think you'll do now moving forward to get them ready to play? What does that mean? It's a must win game. You're down two zero in both of those losses. We're at home. That never happens. And now, let's be real. The Celtics are done. And as they're about to exit the playoffs, players are spilling the tea, like Malcolm Brogdon. The tree shaker, Malcolm Brogdon, exposing the flaws in the culture of the Boston Celtics. I am not shocked. I think in these playoffs overall, I think it's, it's showing because we're playing a very disciplined, consistent, well-coached team. Um, but I think in the Atlanta series, I think in the Philly series, I think we got away with, with things that um, now are, are biting us. So, um, you know, that, that's definitely uh, troubling. What are we think, those we think of some of those things. I think it's mainly on the defensive end. Um, you know, we haven't been consistently great defensively all year long, and that was the team's identity last year. Um, and I think that slipped away from us. We've had spurts where we've been great defensively, but not consistently, and uh, honestly, we've struggled in every series we've played. Um, so, you know, now we're playing a team that's uh, <coughs> playing, you know, as if they're the best team in the league. And Pause. We've struggled in every round we've played so far. Defense was the identity of this team last year, and it is not the identity this year. These were all issues, by the way, that Joe and the team have denied in the postseason, and they've denied all year, but they were very evident to anyone who watched them play more than a game or two. Celtics insiders are now hinting at toxic issues in the locker room. What does that mean? I need to know. What are, what's happening there that's toxic? Back to the great NBA coaching experiment happening here in Boston. We just have never had the ability to quantify this before. This is the first time we've ever had the opportunity. 
And I think it's great because now all of the people who are out there on Twitter and on the social media saying that coaching doesn't matter and you can just plug and play Steven Silas in the mix and you're going to get a championship team if it's composed of championship caliber players, that is false. They're playing the same team that they played last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. They have the same roster and they're actually a little bit better and they're playing a team that's actually worse. Tells you exactly what you need to know. Tells us hard truths. Coaching matters a lot. Much more than people want to admit in the regular season matters. Not at all. Teams that fight through adversity sometimes come out stronger in the postseason, like the Heat. And also like, I don't know, Boston in 2021-2022 when Imei Doka was in charge. So good job, Joe Missoula. You're a very important part of history, and we'll see you the fuck later. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Last time we talked about the Nuggets in the Lakers series, I said, don't let those national figures tell you, those pundits, trick you into thinking the Lakers have a chance after they came back from 20 and they still lost in game one. These moral victories that they're trying to claim that they had are not real. Let's face it. Like, the, what the national media wanted, and we know this, was a Boston-LA Finals. We know that. They tried everything possible to make it happen. Like, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. They push that narrative at every opportunity. Just because you push a narrative doesn't mean that's the outcome that we're going to get, right? For example, Lakers lost game one. According to the national media, no. The Lakers didn't really lose. They figured something out. They got some kinks ironed, and now... They've got Denver on the ropes. Denver won game one. No, they didn't, Trista. Denver's actually in trouble. Denver is actually really should be scared right now by what the Lakers uh, have figured out. Jokic goes insane, fills up the stat sheet. What was the stat sheet again? 34, 21, and 14. Nope. When Rui was on them, though, they went scoreless as a team, and he didn't score. If you're a fan of basketball, that commentary is gross. If you're a fan of the Heat and the Nuggets who have been slandered along the way, they only talk about the losing teams because those teams, quote-unquote, move the needle as narrative national teams, that's unforgivable. That is unforgivable. 
I get this. I know this. I'm a Blazer fan. I watched the Portland Trail Blazers with Damian Lillard go to the Western Conference Finals, by the way, beating the Denver Nuggets, with Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, I mean, a bunch of randoms, Al Farouk Aminu and Enes Cantor and Rodney Hood, Nick Stauskas, Seth Curry off the G League, Jake Lehman, all playing significant minutes. I know what it is like for the national media to dismiss you and to deny and make it seem like you do not belong in this conversation, but I personally will not fall into this trap. We must give the winners their flowers. So what that the Nuggets have never accomplished anything in terms of winning a championship? Who cares? The Nuggets may have a boring name, the Nuggets. They may be in a sleepy yet amazing city, but they're one of the most fun teams to watch in the NBA. Let's be real. Jamal Murray is showing up and showing out. Jamal Murray is not a bubble king. He is a legit superstar, a legit shot maker. He can take over against anyone. I promise you, Jamal Murray will be an all-star next year. I, if he continues this way, in this pace, Jamal Murray all-NBA next year. And we're seeing it again that Michael Malone is an incredible coach. And Joker, don't sleep on Joker. He can take over the, when the, whenever the fuck he wants. MPJ, one of the best clutch shooters from deep. Aaron Gordon, Swiss Army knife that keeps things going. And another thing that's evident as it relates to Joker, like, remember in the beginning of the year when it was Joker's to lose? It was, he was clearly going to win his third MVP. And it was unanimous. And then people started to get into the mix with the well actuallys. Maybe the initial instinct was right. Maybe the initial thought to give him his third MVP was the correct one. Because then people came in and they were like, well, actually, if he wins three MVPs in a row, he'll be in the category of Larry Bird. And Jokic has never won anything to the level of Larry Bird. So what has he done in the postseason? All the other three-time MVPs have significant, significant postseason experience and success. I mean... Okay, fine. And he's about to win a championship. Like, most likely the Denver Nuggets are going to win the championship. So maybe, maybe we should have just, like, laid off a of Jokic. I don't know. I think they're the one seed at that time we were saying that too. But nobody wanted to believe because Denver Nuggets haven't accomplished a goddamn thing yet. It appears they are going to accomplish a lot. They are going to the finals. And the Heat, Butler, Spo, Bam, collection of sniper role players, really freaking good. A lot of... Uh, we'll call it adversity in the regular season, but by the way, they were the one seed last year, and they were one Jimmy Butler jumper away from the finals. So please shut up, nerds. Please. Please. To me, here's the bigger issue. I think I'm going crazy because I think basketball commentary is, is getting dumber and dumber by the second. Like, did you guys see Mike Greenberg legit asking if the Lakers should sit their starters in game five in the second round of the playoffs? He's getting $8 million a year to ask these questions. The dumbest questions of all time. He legit said, did the Miami Heat win game two? Or did Boston Celtics just lose it? That's what he said. He, these are Jesus Christ. Who are these people? This is chat GPT taking over. 2005 sports radio thought that this shit was played out. It's painful. I used to love NBA countdown, and now it sucks. And by the way, like, does anybody 
Does anybody like sort of see or notice that Malik Andrews, who took over for Rachel Nichols for NBA Countdown, just like, I don't know, he's just gone? Like, I remember. Pepperidge Farms remembers. There are literally now no women on the NBA Countdown show. They used to be hosted by a woman and had Malika Andrews on there as commentary as well. And now from two women to zero women, you've got a retread goober who got carried by two decades by Mike Golick and Screamin' A. Smith, who I love, and Mike Golick, or, uh, and uh, Mike Wilbon, who I love. But like, yo, we don't care about y'all. No one wants to hear Mike Greenberg talk about the NBA. Stick to get up. I'm done. It's not just ESPN. Ryan Rossillo, who has done nothing but hate on Miami in the playoffs, the Heat beat the Bucks and, and the Knicks, and all Rossillo had to say was that Miami was a fluke. It's like that, uh, that Simpsons meme where it's like, say it again, and it's the last team that Miami beat. Say it again, and he's, he's like Bart Simpson with the team that last got beat by the Heat, and, and it's like, yeah, the Miami Heat can't keep doing this. And they do keep doing this. No one could predict this, Ryan Rosillo said. Oh, there's nothing to learn from how Miami built this roster. It's a fluke. The Celtics are better. Just dismissal. Just disrespect. What does this have to do? What does next year have to do with this year's Eastern Conference Finals? Nothing. Nothing. You wonder why Bam and Jimmy are like, no, we are not shocked by this. Stop asking us these dumbass questions. Eric Spolster, please stop talking about these undrafted players. You guys are lazy. I don't care about the Lakers anymore. I love LeBron. This team has wildly exceeded expectations. We should have been done talking about them in January. I want to talk about Nuggets. I want to talk about KCP, Bruce Brown, and Christian Braun, the rookie, and Aaron Gordon, and this small market team that's one of the funnest teams to watch in the NBA, and the way that they are crushing the national media, telling us that super teams are all that matters, and that narratives are all that matters. The Nuggets aren't underdogs. What are we talking about? They were the number one seed in the West. They're the third best team in the NBA. They have a two-time MVP on the team. They're not underdogs. They just play in Denver. And and this narrative about Miami, oh, it's hot in Miami. People go to Miami and they party and it's too hot and the humidity bothers them and there's no fans there. Like, stop being these people. These people suck. By the way, Miami's up 3-0 and ESPN is still giving the Celtics a 26% chance to win this series despite that no team has ever come back from down 3-0 ever in history. The Heat are 12-3 and in play-in since the plan and the playoffs this year. They have rolled six wins in their last seven games. They are 5-2 and two against the Celtics, including 3-1 and one at TD Garden. Why does anybody think that this Celtics team, who Malcolm Brogdon said can't get their shit together against the Atlanta Hawks why, in a seven-game series, why do they think that Boston can beat that team four times? They can't. But it doesn't fit that clean, little cute narrative, Boston versus L.A., it does not fit LeBron coming back down 3-0 and the Celtics storming back in, in seven games. This isn't fucking Disneyland. This is not, like, yes, the script writers, but the saving grace is that the national media, once this is all over, will have to talk about the Heat and the Nuggets. But they'll probably just talk about Jimmy Butler and Jokic. Like, let's just be honest. That's probably all I'll say. I'm not going to listen. Uh, But at least they will be forced to talk about the teams that actually are winning and not the teams that they desperately want to win.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So we've not had an offseason like this in a long time where there are like a bajillion good coaches, well, like pretty good coaches on the market who have been fired and are also like just on the market for their teams at the same time. Like you've got Milwaukee, Toronto, Phoenix, teams that have either been to the finals or won a championship in the last four years, all on the market at the same time, all have openings. Let's take a quick look right now at the open spots and talk a little bit about who's being tabbed to fill those spots. Let's start with Detroit. Detroit Pistons. So Troy Weaver right now has done an exhaustive search involving interviews with 10 candidates. Right now it is narrowed to three guys. Charles Lee, the Bucks assistant, who is the bell of the ball. Former UConn coach Kevin Ollie, and both of whom are being interviewed a second time. And then Heat's assistant, Chris Quinn, who will be interviewed after the finals are over. Of the three, the fan base might not have a clear favorite, but they are very clear about who they do not want. Kevin Ollie. <laughs> That's right. The former UConn coach who has not coached in five years, whose name hasn't been connected to one coaching um- opening in the NBA since 2015, who is not interviewed by any other team, and is very close with Troy Weaver. That is who the fans do not want. The smarter decision probably is Charles Lee. He's been uh, ready to, to take over a team for years now. He was Budenholzer's lead assistant since the Atlanta days. Quinn is definitely in the mix uh, as well. He's been an assistant in Miami since 2014. Very important hire for Weaver. And if he doesn't start winning, he's going to be the one who's under scrutiny. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, after firing their championship winning coach two seasons after hoisting the trophy, According, according to Woj, the Bucks have narrowed their search down to Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse's assistant, Adrian Griffin, and Kenny Atkinson, current assistant for the Golden State Warriors. Here's an interesting little nugget. I have been told by multiple people, three different quote-unquote sources, that Giannis does not want Nick Nurse. Whether that plays into things at all uh, is not known, but I think you have to wonder why on earth a team would hire uh, a coach that their superstar does not want. Even if he says he kind of like doesn't want him. And how damning is it if the Bucks hire Adrian Griffin over the head coach that he sat on the bench with? That would be something. Another fascinating story around the Bucks will be the one of Kenny Atkinson, who was hired and then quit on the Hornets in 24 hours last year. 
great coach, really a good coach to build a team. I don't know how he is in terms of like maintaining a championship roster, but he said that the reason that he stayed in Golden State was because his wife liked it there. So if he goes to Milwaukee, hmm, kind of tells you that was a lie. Also, is there a potential situation where Steve Kerr moves on to the front office if Bob Myers, the current GM of the Warriors, moves on? And then maybe Kenny steps in as head coach coach for our dubs. Big offseason. Giannis is not guaranteed to stay if they continue to underperform or steps to success along the way. Let's move on to Philly. Uh, They fired Doc Rivers, as you know, for losing yet another closeout game. Uh, And the Sixers, at this point, are kicking the tires on at least six candidates. Nick Nurse again. Monty Williams. That's interesting. Sam Cassell. Mike Budenholzer, Frank Vogel, and you guessed it, Mike D'Antoni. What do they all have in common? They have a lot of experience. They've got winning pedigrees, except for Sam Cassell. Uh, Sam Cassell is very well-liked. He's a Sixers assistant, and I think that's why he made the list. As for the other five, I think Vogel is out. I don't think he's going to – I mean, he's kind of giving me Brett Brown vibes. D'Antoni seems like a long shot as well. He's 72 years old, literally, not like – not like a fake 72. You know when you say, oh, that person's gajillion. No, he's actually 72. Nick, Monty, and Bud probably are the favorites. Very different coaching styles. With Harden probably going back to Houston or trying to. We don't even know what type of team Philly has. My guess is that you wait until the team that you have is constructed to name a coach for that team. It's also possible that Maury could just throw a wrench in things and look at a dark horse candidate like Masai Ujiri is right now in Toronto. Speaking of Toronto, Toronto threw an ice cube into everyone's tea today. It was announced by Shams that the Raptors had conducted a full interview with none other than Steve Nash. Yes, the same Canadian that coached the Brooklyn Nets. The same guy who is also... A soccer coach, the same guy who is Canada's favorite son, the same Nash who was handed the keys to a Tesla and then found out that the AI had become sentient and wanted to drive it by itself, Steve Nash. Masai Ujiri has looked at no less than 12 candidates so far, ranging from Becky Hammond, whose luster has worn off after her suspension for berating De'Erica Hamby for, um, what was, what did she do wrong? Oh, she got pregnant two years in a row. Uh, and also looked at JJ Reddick, current ESPN personality and podcaster. These are real names. These are real names he's looking at. Um, that's pretty much the dartboard method of picking a coach. If they have held a basketball in the past five years, put them on the board. Put them on the interview list. Seriously, the Raps have also looked at a few young coaches who could fill in and kill it in Toronto. Jordy Fernandez, King assistant, who took over for Mike Brown for a game this year. When he won, his team celebrated like they all won a ring. Huge sign of love and respect. Charles Lee, the bell of the ball from Milwaukee. Chris Quinn in in Miami. Adrian Griffin, again, for Toronto, all in the running. Even Kenny Atkinson is on this list. So you've got a lot of the same coaches Uh, on all of these same lists. I think you're going to know everything that you want to know about the direction that this franchise is heading based on 
who they hire. If they hire a young coach without any experience, it's kind of a Will Hardy situation. They are rebuilding. If they hire an experienced coach, they are going to try to keep their assets, and they are going to try and win now. Uh, Phoenix Suns head coaching search is, I have no idea, honestly. I've looked and looked and looked, and there's a lot of names floating, but there is no definitive list. Matt Ishby is probably going to hire Isaiah Thomas, isn't he? He is. Like, there's no list. There's no list. He's got a deep pocket. He's connected in Detroit. He loves Isaiah Thomas. Uh, either Isaiah Thomas is coaching this team or he's going to be the GM of this team. I don't think you can scratch off any of out-of-work coaches off the list right now. There's probably coaches under contract he's looking at. Ty Lue's name has been prominently mentioned. And this is a very intriguing search. He could go with uh, assistants like Jordy Fernandez or uh, – I don't know, like possibly another coach that has worked under Sam Presti. So more likely it will be a splashy and expensive hire because that's what Ishbia wants to do. I would guess that maybe Nurse or Bud would be the choice in Phoenix, although I don't think either one is a fit in my mind. As Mikael Bridges, former Phoenix Suns, recently said, Amani Williams isn't the problem and wasn't the problem in Phoenix. So if the coach wasn't the problem, who was? Can another coach come in and fix it? Lots of speculation. Uh, but one thing is for sure, Phoenix is facing a fascinating offseason where DeAndre Ayton is mentioned in multiple trade rumors to Detroit, uh, to Dallas, and to Portland. A couple of final points. In Houston, our man Ime Udoka is assembling his staff. He's just brought in Royal Ivy from the Nets as his first major hire. I think he is likely to retain Rockets assistants John Lucas II, a Rockets legend, and Mahmoud Abdel Fattah, who's been credited with bringing along the baby Rockets. Uh, I think probably Aaron Miles, who's currently assistant for the Celtics. I could see him joining him in Houston, and it will probably depend on Joe Missoula's job status. Which brings me to this. We've talked a lot about Joe Missoula this episode, but we did not ask the question. Is his job in danger? 48 hours ago, I would have said no fucking way. But now even Woj, even Brian Windhorse is saying, well, maybe uh, his job is in danger. And the reason that every single Celtics fan is irate right now is just howling mad is Joe Missoula. And when your fan base, who is rabid, makes this much noise, you must listen. Or you risk losing the team to your fans altogether. So... It's possible we might have another job opening very soon. It's a cold world out there, folks. Cold world. That's all the time that we have for the heat check. We'll be back Friday with an all-new episode. And we are now well into the conference finals. Maybe done with one of them tonight. Check back on the feed for past episodes, many episodes, which drop almost every single day. Follow the heat check as the NBA is currently in full swing. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends every single damn one of them. Thanks for listening. Thanks to my producer, Nick Berlansky, and we will see you next time.